So where were we? Welcome back to part two of the conversation with Reverend Clive Jennings. He was still working in the police when he had no idea his life was about to change. Was it ever? Was it ever? Uh, I I, I think I'd come to the point of um, not trusting people. And I think that's quite easy sometimes within different settings. Um, uh, A colleague of mine, we'd seconded seconded her from our team to set up uh, what was then the early paedophile index that they were setting up. And of course, uh, she'd gone to to help them do things that we were doing routinely, opening mobile phones, laptops, doing things like that, um, and for learning how to do the authorities. Um, and, and of course, she was coming back with stories of hits that they'd had. And I wasn't naive in that at all, but um, my children came home at the time, and I think they were about eight, uh, yeah, eight and 10, no, probably just slightly younger, and said that they'd like to go on this Christian um, holiday week away um, uh, camp. And automatically, I, I just said, no, you know, and my line was, you know, would you give your credit card and your PIN number to somebody, let alone your children, you know? <laughs> um, you know, would you trust them? <laughs> Yeah, well, I and, get it. Um, yeah, well, you know, it's it was just the place that I was in at the time, and uh, sort of maybe, yeah. And Mandy came up with this great solution of saying, "Well, are you going to stop our children doing everything just because of the job you do? And uh, why don't we go as helpers?" And I thought, "Oh gosh, no! What a week's annual leave! I'm going to waste a week's annual leave." <laughs> precious annual leave to go and look after a whole load of eight-year-olds it's not my bag you know um, <laughs> um but mandy had this great solution which i'm so pleased she did mandy has wisdom for us both you know and um we went along uh, the the training beforehand was phenomenal uh the safeguarding was awesome uh it was so well run and um we got to yeah it was we we got there at this place um, down in Sidmouth. It was Sidmouth. They take over a public school and it was just amazing. And the first night they have this thing called the engine room, which was downstairs. And they have this time of worship with the young people. And it was just brilliant. I was stood at the back of the room and they sang this song which was called I'm Special Because God's Loved Me. And um, I had and I'm still at the back of this room, and I suppose the question was I had to ask myself is, so wh- wh- where where have I lost the plot? Where where I know that you love me, God, but where have I lost the plot in trusting you? Um, yeah, where where is I? Because I trust in you, so therefore I should be more trusting. Mm. Um, and I did the thing which was really, I, I suppose. I hadn't done for, I wasn't a, I wasn't a guy that cries. Um, you know, if that was your best shot, that's fine. That's okay. But I'm not going to cry about it, you know? Um, and I just found myself welling up at the back of the room and, uh, I just felt what I can only describe is maybe just an all encompassing sense of what I can only describe as God's love Mm. of just being known and loved by God. And, 
I made a sharp exit out the back door because there was a back door handy. I thought, I'm not going to disgrace myself here in front of everybody. And uh, especially first thing is, oh, gosh, I've stepped off the treadmill. Is this the nervous breakdown that was coming? You know, but it was uh, and I'm there in this corridor and there was a lovely lady that came along to pray for the children during the day. And she had arthritis, I think. She, she used to go to bed at about six o'clock, seven o'clock because of um, her pain and needed sleep. And she was like coming up the corridor towards me and she said, are you okay? And I said, no, I don't think I am. And she said, well, um, I just sensed God told me to get out of bed and come and tell you that there is a time for every purpose under heaven which is from Ecclesiastes 3 in the Bible. And it's the first my granddad wrote in my pocketbook the day I joined the police. And she said, God's got a job for you to do, but you're not listening. Oh, my goodness. Which um, was really interesting because years, when I joined the police, the, the, the week before I joined the police, uh, my vicar, Terry, uh, he's a great guy, Terry, Terry Stokes in Yeovil, just an amazing priest. He took me out for a game of pool the day, the week I was joining the police. And I thought it was um, a behave yourself young man. And, you know, while you were away in the big wide world, you know, all the, <laughs> all the temptations of life, which it was that as well. Um, <laughs> but it, we were having this game of pool and uh, just... He just said, you know, God's calling you to be a priest in the Church of England, but it won't be now, but you'll know when it is. Well, and I said, said to him, Terry, wow. Terry, you must be mad. I said, you must be mad. There's what me, me, <laughs> you know, how would God use me? <laughs> I just, uh, I can see in the every day, but yeah, now I know my place, Terry. Thanks very much. Yeah, you, you at the time wanted to go to drama school or you're off to RADA or oh, then no, the police. I'd I mean, say not... it was, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, there was this, there was this moment and I, it really was, I mean, it just was a life changing moment. And I thought, well, in three days later, I was just playing five side football um, with the leaders at night um, uh, in, yeah, I, I broke my foot playing five side football and it was just six weeks then of, I couldn't open anything. I couldn't look at anything about it was about being a vicar and it really was and you know they say you can run but you can't hide um it really was that dramatic and i loved the police i loved my role i loved what i was doing and my career plan was to do protection work in my retirement um but no this was pretty clear I didn't give up easily, though. I, no. I put up a good fight. Did you? So two, two years worth. Two years worth. Two years. <laughs> wow. So how old were you at that stage, Clive? I was I was 37. Right. I was I was about 37. Okay. And um, it sort of went on. I thought it just kept coming back, you know, and you'd, you'd yeah, it was there. It just wouldn't go away. Yeah. And so they, they do this thing called discerning, and you go to speak with people who discern your call um okay. and uh yeah uh, uh, i'm a bit sort of rough and ready around the edges as you probably realize but um you know some of the people i had to go and see were like very um academic and very posh you know which i was used to dealing with in um vip protection and different settings but 
when you're being put under the spotlight by people, it's sort of like, oh, hang on, this is you're pressing some nerves here. I'm, I'm, mm. <laughs> I'm I don't want to fit into your mold. No. Uh, but we had a great bishop at the time. He was called Jim Thompson, and he was brilliant. And when I met with him, he said, uh, "They won't understand you, Clive." Um, so you're 10 years ahead of where the church should be yeah, but, <laughs> he was a lovely guy yeah but, but also the experience that you had and the experience of life that you had and so so did you so for two years then you kind of resist you sort of resisted it but obviously you were uh, inquiring about it so when did you actually make the change when did you leave the police I made the change. It was um, you go on what you call a, a three day. Uh, it was um, it was called Abum then, which is a selection board. And you go away for three days. Um, people have done reports on you. You've met with people. Um, it was really interesting that uh, there's a, a recent report that's come out, I think, in the Church of England talking about elitism. Um, and not being an academic, and I've never been an academic, um, I met some people who, in some ways, I've uh, got to be honest, I suppose really didn't value where you came from. I had a, somebody who said to me, oh, yes, so we've, we've, we've got a police officer in our congregation. Uh, we allow him to cut the grass. And I thought, oh, yeah. ouch, you know, yeah. um, but... It was, it was an interesting three day. Um, I probably didn't endear myself to the academic interview. Um, I sort of turned the tables and did what I did and started interviewing the interviewer, which um, isn't a good idea, is it really? Um, well, sometimes so, you could argue it is. You obviously got really? the job. You got the job. Yeah, well, I, I, I came back from the three day and Jim Thompson phoned me up and said, how did you think it went? And I said, I don't think it went well. And he said, I don't think they really saw you. I don't think they really got you. Um, but I'm going to do something I rarely ever do, and I'm going to overrule their decision. Wow. So you're starting at Trinity College in uh, in three months' time. And so that was, wow. what was I earning at the time? Uh, probably around about 45000 down to 9000 a year as a student. Wow. And, okay. you know, I take my hat off to Mandy, um, but God is good. God has been good. We had some great holidays during that time of training. Um, you know, you yeah, it was, it was God provided mm. in every way. And, um, but it was hard going back to college. Yeah, um, I bet it was. I bet it yeah, was. But, but there were some great people, great people, all walks of life. Well, Brilliant. Well, this is obviously the, what's, shining through in all of this which is what and it, it's interesting isn't it how how you started this and in the notes when you said about you wore you know your roots as a badge but this is I think the beauty that that you just see people for their values and the kind of people that they are obviously you did when you with all what you saw in the police force like you're saying you see people who are in really difficult situations who aren't being very nice who may have come from bad you know up upbringings or good upbringings then you say like you saw the the other people who are sort of the vips who are probably very well educated sometimes very, come from very moneyed backgrounds but still vulnerable so you had such a set you have such a sense of everyone which has helped you all the way through and obviously this is what was recognized 
it, it, it sounds cliche and I know, and it, I suppose it's because it's my role now, but um, Jesus met people where they were. I yeah. think that's my thing. I think Jesus didn't judge people. He, he just met people where they were and in the circumstances in which they were. And I, and I, and I think that's a, a great call, maybe on everybody's life, but, but certainly from a faith point of view yeah. is, you know, there's value in everybody. And, uh, you know, I've met people, I've met people from, you know, who've really, you know, they've, they've had a tough time. They've served their time for it. Um, and, you know, maybe came to faith in prison through an alpha course, um, turned their lives around. And I just think it's seeing the potential in people or meeting them where they are. And some people, you know, it's devastating. I don't, you know, it, it really is. But I think sometimes it's just being there, listening to people, not making any judgments yeah. and knowing that you're there for them in that, you know, being unshockable, really. I think sometimes um, I think that helps a lot. You know, there's nothing there's nothing you can say, probably, that won't shock me too much. Mm -hmm. um, um, and yeah, it's 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 a great gift and skill, I think, that many Many police officers have and priests have and people in different settings, you know, social workers, yeah. just being there for people. Yeah, it is yeah. It's such a special gift. It is a gift and it's but to use it as well. You say you weren't shocked, though, Clive. You were shocked when you got the request for this podcast. So, look, I feel very proud. I was. I tell you. <laughs> I feel really proud. I shocked you now. I heard my mother saying, oh, this is well above your station, Clive, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Know your place, I you know. Very proud, very <laughs> proud. But so, so where, where were you and Mandy and your children at this stage? So when you so you took a huge pay cut, and yeah. then so where did where were you living then when you were still in the police? And then where did you move? Did you have to move house? We did. We we were living. Um, we were living in Clevedon actually. We were living in Clevedon, and um, so when you go in there, you do a curacy. Uh, you get sent for a curacy after college, and they could send you anywhere. Um, and we were really blessed that, that we were offered a curacy, which was local in Western Supermare. Wow, okay. So um, that was great for the continuity for the children because they could still stay at school in their schools in Clevedon. So we sort of traveled them backwards and forwards. It was a real hassle, but we did. But we sold the house. And in, in some ways, selling the house may have seen a financial disaster at the time. But in some ways, um, sometimes I think it's so easy to go back to what you've done. When we talk about the next chapter, um, so easily, I think sometimes it would be so easy to go back to where life seemed rosy and the grass maybe was green. Someone told me once, they said, oh, is the grass greener? And they said, no, it's just astroturf. It's fake, mm -hmm. you know? That's and true. sometimes it's not going back. Um, and we decided to sell the house. And that was made evident really during the curacy because the curacy was difficult. I learned a lot of things. I learned a lot of things about myself and about my character, I think, in curacy. Um, I realized that um, the church was God's gift to me and that I wasn't God's gift to the church. Um, and I think that's a good one to remember, uh, I think, you know. Um, and I learned that definitely in my curacy, totally humbled. Um, but in the middle of that, uh, I was on a tough day. Um, somebody met me. Uh, I didn't. I was just in Wales on a course. And a colleague 
who I'd worked with in security service, I found stood next to me. And uh, I said, oh, yeah. So what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm just passing through. I said, oh, rubbish. I said that. You don't just pass through wells. I said, if I didn't know you better, you're here to bump me for a job. And he said, I am. You shouldn't leave your mobile phone on. I always know where to find you. Oh, and offered me a job um, wow. back with what I was doing. And I think in scripture, it says, you know, the devil chooses an opportune time to come and tempt you. And I think, you know, had we had the house, um, I would like to think that I wasn't tempted. Um, but I think just God had taken that opportunity off the table and there was no way back. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I'm so glad in some ways um, mm -hmm. that that was a good choice. But the Curacy House in Western, we had a, other than that, it was great, Western Supermare. And uh, met some great friends. And uh, again, we were on the edge of uh, a large social housing estate um, there, which was great. I loved it. I met some really great people, um, lovely families. Um, yeah, really, really good time. Learned a lot there. And um, then I had a call one day um, from the Archdeacon and said, uh, are you interested in bringing two churches together? Um, and I said, well, yeah, you know, well, which part of the country is it in, you know? And he said, it's in Clevedon. <laughs> and I said, you must be joking. And he said, oh, no, I'm the archdeacon. I don't joke that often. And um, <laughs> he said, would you like to go and have a look? And that was the beginning of what has been just an amazing time mm. of, of the opportunity to bring two different denominations um, together mm. back and, in Clevedon, and, yeah. And how long have you been there now, Clive? Um, don't tell anybody, but it was 2002, 2003, oh, yeah. a long time. But but we, we came back to Christchurch. Uh, Christchurch had been through quite a difficult time. Um, but my colleague, Tim Daniel, um, was at the Methodist Church at Linden Road. And Tim and uh, Tim's family, we, we'd we'd always gone to Spring Harvest together as families when I was in the police. And uh, <laughs> years years ago, a lady came up to us uh, as sort of like a prophecy, and sort of said, um, uh, "I just see you two working together. I see you together working." And uh, I said, I said to Tim. Uh, I just don't see you, mate, with a smart suit, a gun and a flash car. It doesn't work for you. <laughs> but, of course, it, it was all the other way around. And oh, um, So Tim and I, yeah, just uh, came together. Uh, we just gelled. They, we realised that there was no point in um, having two churches just around the corner from each other. And so, yeah, we birthed an ecumenical church, um, one in everything, uh, mm. bringing people together. And it, it's just been a dream ticket. Mm. So big shout out for Team Christchurch. They're amazing. Yeah. Such a supportive team. They're brilliant. And now my colleague Dr. Russ as well that came after Tim. You know, just Dr. Russ, just a phenomenal guy to work with. And we've got an amazing team. Mm. Um, and a community, but, such a community. And just going back, did your did your parents have I mean, were they did they see you do this? My dad was overjoyed. Um my dad was overjoyed. Uh he he saw me, um, he, he was there when I was priested um, and 
that for dad was just like a huge thing. I mean, dad was so proud and, and mum as well. Uh, but for dad, that was a big thing. And uh, yeah, it was a year after um, dad used to get these heart things that happened. And and I went into dad, dad's faith was very much about a Sunday. Um, I inherited his Bible when he died. His but, And the things he wrote in there about family and dates, you know, it just was so humbling, very sort of outwardly social, but very private in his faith. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I went to see him um, in hospital. You know, he was coming out the next day and uh, it wasn't a sort of, he wasn't very tactile. He wasn't very huggy, um, anything like that. And uh, as I saw him in the hospital, I said, well, you know, I'll probably see you in a couple of days, dad, when you're home. And he said, oh, that's great. Fine, son. Oh, great to see you. Oh, thanks for coming in. Um, whatever. And as I went towards the door, I felt a physical hand in my chest. And I sense, I sense God saying, Good. I think you need to pray with your dad. And I just turned around and said, dad, do you mind if I pray with you? And he said, no, son, that'd be really lovely. And uh, he died that night. And uh, it was such a sense of peace being in the recovery room with him. And uh, really, yeah, that was just God is good. Mm. Um, God was good. Um, just good beginnings, good endings. Mm. Always good, good endings. Yeah. yeah. And you you see both sides, you know, virtually on a daily basis. Before we move on to that, did you ever, yeah. did you ever, was Terry around? Did Terry ever see you? do this he did terry was one of the first people that i phoned yeah terry was the first person <laughs> that i phoned goodness. after bishop jim and then my parents <laughs> and jim said you know and terry was terry was sort of very articulate and he said sort of there you go my dear i, I told you it would be okay you know i was like he was great he was there at my ordination and stuff i, um, I was yeah i was yeah yeah, Terry. Uh, yeah, great. Terry yeah, knew but, all along. You know, Terry was very a down-to-earth hospital chaplain. It was great. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you do see, obviously, you see all the, like you say, the beginning of life, the end of life. Also, when you put in everything that you saw in the police and you saw the day-to-day -day life, which obviously you see all sides of that, that now, you know, I mean, how... How do you do it, Clive? Because obviously not everybody is believes in religion and God. But I think how I understand it, and this is probably my own belief more and more, is that I definitely have got like a sense of something bigger. And I think it's helpful to think that there's something bigger because then that makes you realise how small we are that, you know, these and, and you lose so much sense of perspective. Um, but when you think you know, it's all about me and we can become very, very selfish in our world. But when you get that bigger sense, which recently I've certainly, I feel like that, but I wouldn't necessarily describe that as a, a religion, but I would describe it as a faith. And do you, yeah. do you find that? And is that now, because I know the church is very different, like you said it as well earlier, it has changed an awful lot, but that is the whole point, isn't it? It's bringing people together. It's the community, no matter what your beliefs, it's that sense of belonging. Uh Absolutely. Because I, 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 um, you spoke back along to um, Reverend Jenny McKay, and she was a minister in secular employment. And, and I love that. I think I think church should be um, if, if you're not a part of the community, um, what are you there for? And there was a colleague of mine asked a really good question of his church and said, 
if we disappeared tomorrow, what would the community miss? And I think that's a really interesting question to ask yourself. And um, is an outward facing church. I mean, we have got 23 trained coaches that go into school, transforming lives for good, spend time with children who are likely to be for all sorts of reasons, maybe going through bereavement. Uh, we've got a phenomenal bereavement team um, that are alongside people. My colleague, Dr. Russ, um, leading a group called Living Life to the Full, which is um, a CBT course. Um, and again, the opportunity to meet with people who wouldn't necessarily say they have a faith or couldn't describe what that is, but there's a connection. And I think talking about spirituality now, I find if you talk to people about spirituality, you can have a really long conversation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes if you talk about church, it's a very short conversation yeah. because people will bring up issues about the church. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you talk about spirituality, people are really open to that. Mm -hmm. And maybe there are connections that can be made and certainly at those times of life when you have to ask some really um, interesting questions about why um, you know you find lots of parents ask that you know when they give you know what's this amazing thing that that has happened to us you know how this you know uh, now that I can cry I mean I wet buckets when our kids were born you know <laughs> it's great you know you, you this this amazing thing you know that's been brought into life and into your life and and things um, but also as well, other things in life where you have to ask real questions at maybe end of life and tragic incidents that happen, um, being alongside people when they've had maybe not a good diagnosis. And they have to ask questions about, so what is there? You know, what's next? What is my next chapter? And I think, I remember really, uh, that was, an, I remember talking to a, a, a mum at uh, the Bristol Oncology Unit and her daughter, age 15, had just been diagnosed with, with um, leukaemia and it was terminal. And um, just this 15 year old just knocked my faith into a top hat, really. She was just amazing. Um, and she said, and she actually used the word, and she said, the different, she said, she said, don't, don't get upset for me. She said, I get to see the next chapter before you do, Clive. Mm. And I thought, how yeah. brave, how courageous mm. um, of doing that. Um, mm. But I think it's just being alongside people and talking how they want to, to engage with that. I mean, I think it's celebration, it's joy, it's joy, but it's also um, sharing with people in their grief as well. It's just journeying, I think, with people at that different place, but being prepared to talk about the tough stuff, not necessarily having the answers. Mm. And I don't think I've got any ready stock answers or platitudes. I think sometimes it's just being and listening. Sometimes I've, in offering to pray with people, I've, I, you know, I've, I don't know what it is. I've never had anybody turn me down when I've offered to pray for them. Mm. And that's in all settings. I think sometimes... If you come with humility um, and just say, do you mind if I pray with you? And most people think most people, most people pray maybe when they're up against it. Um, 
in the crisis of life you know you talk to people and say i've never prayed before but i think we need to pray you know <laughs> people yeah. will say yeah 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 well yeah please you know um yeah yeah and it's interesting isn't it because this all goes back to to when you were doing your you know when you were negotiating with the police and you're saying like meet people where they are and it's interesting because perhaps some people listen to this would expect you to say well i do have an answer but you don't have an answer and that's it's the being it goes back to what you were saying as well the connection and you know the how people feel and the emotion and do you do you clive i mean are you scared of death you've you've obviously seen death an awful lot more than most are you scared of it um, no, I mean, it's, I think in the police all the way through, there was always that day um, of, I've got some amazing colleagues that I've worked with that have, you know, sort of died, they've gone home to be the Lord. And uh, to me, you just never knew what the day was going to bring. And so I think, you know, that this, in faith, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know what the rest of the day brings. Um, and I, I think it's just that's why I've, I think I feel a sense of urgency sometimes, you know, to share my faith with people, but not share my faith in a way of, oh, you know, you must uh, you must come to Jesus. I think there's an individual decision that people make. And I think if you're alongside them, um, helping people to grapple with some of the questions, that's that's why I love an alpha course. You know, we're running an alpha course at the moment and a lot most of the people on there. Um, would are at different stages of life. Um, many are not yet Christians. Many may not, but they're exploring. They're asking the questions. And, and I think there's a real integrity in that um, of we so easily dismiss things rather than actually grapple with the questions. And I think if you've grappled with the questions and maybe find some of those answers for yourself in faith, um, I think gives hope and, and hope for the future. De death doesn't really hold any. In fact, I just long, I mean, my personal faith is I long to go home and see all these amazing people that have gone before me. You know, mm. I really do. I, and I, I love, uh, I can't remember which film it is where, you know, there's that sense of coming home where people are welcomed. You know, you're just coming home to meet with family and, mm. uh, you just hear people's well done, you know, well done. Yeah. It's that's, I think, where I am, you know, that. Yeah. And I think that at funerals sometimes you just, for people or at the point of death, they just hear that well done, yeah. you know, well done. Yeah. It's been a good life, done well. Which is what everyone wants, really. It's what everyone wants. And you obviously see on the other side of life, your birth, and I know, you know, you you have like the, the babies and the children and the, the mums and the dads yeah. and everyone's stressed out. Do you, do you uh, see people? And, and with this perspective, are you able to, does this help you deliver like your calm? Because say you do are seeing people on a daily basis in all different times of life. But you can see how we all get caught up and, you know, we and everyone does. Does this help you give give the perspective? I, th I think, it, yeah, it does. Definitely. And, you know, I, I'd say the miracle is sometimes, you know, you see you see a, a single parent, you know, maybe arrive at toddler church um, and, you know, uh, you know, a, a little fish on a Thursday, you know, and you know what probably that is meant for them to get there mm -hmm. um you know sleep deprivation all sorts of stuff you know just to 
get out in the morning, you know, and sometimes for some, you know, you, you know as well as I do, you know, you can be in the middle of the most busiest place, but be totally lonely. And I think loneliness is a huge issue at the moment, yeah. I think, for people. I think loneliness probably is a big thing that, that we just need to address, yeah. um, that you can be amongst lots and lots of people, but you can be desperately lonely. And I think those settings of maybe having that sort of spiritual intuition, the thing that God gives you, you know, they'd say, you know, how are you? Well, yeah, I'm okay. No, no, how now how are you yeah. <laughs> how are things yeah. how are things make the introduction yeah get you alongside people that can really support you and encourage you you know yeah it's interesting isn't it because and it's such a people think lonely or you're on your own or maybe you're elderly or but i i mean i remember just and my just very briefly in one of my own moments was yeah. when um it was a while after my dad had died and I can remember, I, you know, I'd got oh, cross with my husband about, you know, lovely as he is, but, you know, you have these moments. I can remember going out on the downs where I live in Bristol. And honestly, Clive, I've got the best friends. You know, I, lo I love my friends so much. Yeah. And, you know, I've got a lovely husband and best boys. And I have never felt so lonely as that day. And I thought... I've got, I've got no one to talk to. I've got I've got no one to talk to. And I suppose really what it was is I didn't have my dad to talk to. That's because I it was just him. Yeah. I missed him. And it was just that it was that feeling. So I really understand what that feeling and perhaps in hindsight, I probably should have joined a bereavement group or come along to you or that because it's perhaps in those moments we can come to you and you would have kind of understood what I was talking about. And any one of my friends they were so there for me it wasn't it wasn't that I just felt so lonely yeah yeah we we, we were talking about this at staff meeting this morning and you know just to say um if you need if you need help just ask mm. you know and and I think there is that thing of you know where where do I go and I and I do believe you know uh, a, a a church that connects with all ages and stages, I, I think as well as a place you can come and be totally honest. Because I think, you know, we talk about bereavement, but, you know, again, you know, bereavement crosses all sorts of things, you know, sort of people who have separated, people who have divorced. I thought my life was going to be this, maybe a, a career, a loss of career or something. You know, I think bereavement hits across mm. all social spectrums and all ages. Um, and again, bereavement as well, I think for people who are entering into that next chapter, maybe after a really successful career in their life, who is wondering what is next? What is next for me? You know, I, I definitely don't want to end up, you know, sort of with a cardigan and just maybe just doing the gardening and looking over the hedge, you know, there, there may be something more. And But you meet with people who actually when you drill down is a real sense of bereavement of what is lost, yeah. um, of what has been lost. And I think it's great to be able to talk about that and name it and maybe work through it in the loneliness of what that can look like. Yeah. Um, I think bereavement, I, you know, bereavement ministry, I think is, it's, it's just about talking and listening and connecting i think really yeah yeah and you yeah i mean i, I actually my the, the i write fiction book and the book i've just written is actually all about grief and 
I uh, and I've used fictitious characters and it's not all based on me, but it's just things you see in life. And and I that's the one thing I can do. I can't do what you do, but I can tell stories and try and yeah. try and, you know, so that people can relate. Um, but use characters. But I think some and it's not a case of that your friends, like in that moment for me, it wasn't that my friends weren't there for me or my husband wasn't there for me or anything like that. Just sometimes perhaps you have to go somewhere where no one knows you. And, it, and I, you know, I believe in therapy. I've had a therapist and it's not even that. It's just being with people where it, there's, you just, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I think it was about three years, three years after my dad died. And, and I went down to a, it's a lovely place called Lee Abbey down in Devon. It's a, it's a retreat place, fantastic place to go in um I got there early, I was just skimming stones and, and I just sensed the Lord saying, this is where it ends. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I don't really know what that means. I sort of walked back up to the house and there's a lovely couple that had traveled down from Birmingham who came to pray for people. And while we were having tea, they just said, well, on our way down, we just sensed this thing of um, this word for somebody of this is where it ends. And I sort of sidled up beside them. I said, I think that's me. <laughs> And they had this lovely way of praying with people. They just, they were just really still, but she was writing things down. And she said, you know, after a little while, what, what do you think that you've, you're missing in life at the moment? And I said, I think I'm missing a sense of joy. Mm. And she'd written joy over two full scat pages <gasps> and wow. just prayed and said, just restore the joy in Clive's life. And, that was just so helpful. I just didn't realize that, you know, things can get chipped away in life, can't they, so slowly that you don't notice. Yeah, and uh, of being, you know, I think when it says scripturally, you know, we live in the fullness of Christ. We, we you know, we want to live the fullest that we can be. And um, and bits get chipped away. And I think those things are really where we get restored, isn't it? Exactly you know, little things, yeah. you know, we're, we're we're restored, we're renewed, there's yes. hope, yes. all of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And especially, I think, certain stages in life where you have parents who are getting older and there feels like there's a lot of pressure and doom and gloom around everywhere. And like you say, it's very slowly slips away, but it's always there. It's always there. And sometimes we just need reminding of it, which is so magical and and do you um i mean clive i could talk to you all day but obviously i won't but um but you're it's, in you're in it's demand it's amazing but it you know you said at you know at the beginning of this chapter of yours that you know your trust had gone and like with your children going on the holiday do you feel i mean seeing people as you do see them now and obviously with the with the past without dwelling on the past but what you saw do you feel like your trust in in people and humans and life has come back oh hugely hugely i think it was just a phase that i'd gone through i think i'd i'd sort of had a really um tough three months i think on an inquiry and and i think again there was yeah it was a, it was a tough inquiry and it took a lot um it took a lot out of me and um it had yeah stolen a, a little bit of my soul if you know what i mean yeah I do. um I, I think and uh again I, you know i think that's that thing of you know just staying close to god all the time you know just coming back again and again just staying close there's a lovely um rabbinic phrase and it says may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi and i love that it means that you stay so close to the person 
who you want to stay close to that you're covered in their dust and and i think that's that is where i wasn't close to god and you could you know those times in your life when you weren't as close yeah. as you should be but knowing that he was close to you yeah. um and yeah i mean i think trust restored is um and that that comes hard i think sometimes when people break that trust um you know when you know occasionally you know people will oh yeah yeah i'll do this i'll do that yeah oh yeah well in that is hard but that was no different from jesus's time who people probably promised everything um but didn't deliver you know and that's okay you know people are at different stages people are at different stages of life but yeah i think you i think trust is really important um trusting in god and uh that doesn't make you a pushover i think there's wisdom in that as well there's wisdom and discernment you know of of you can still do some tough talking with people yeah in the middle of trust there's that honesty and gritty conversations that you can still have with people mm. um because i think some people promise the things that they would long to especially when you're in addiction you can make all sorts of promises but that's a tough thing to fulfill them without the huge amount of support you need to do that here mm. and presumably is that when you say sometimes you do just have to sit with the person and you can do that as perhaps not as a relative or something you can perhaps do that in a way that perhaps other people close to them can't yeah i think as well you know there may be people listening into this who have real issues within their family um you know and it's sometimes it's really difficult when you're living up close to it mm. um it's always good to find somebody just outside who's an impartial ear who can maybe listen you can be honest with you can shout and scream if you need to um you know and i think sometimes you need to vent um and people vent in lots of different ways and 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 that's okay you know it's not personal mm. i think that's the thing is remembering that it's not personal mm. um you know oh you realize you're going to have a stampede of people turning up to you now <laughs> they're all going to be there <laughs> we've got a dream team at Christchurch. they're a dream team oh. I, i'm i'm not alone i'm just part of the body um i'm yes i'm just a part of it but they're an amazing team there'll yeah. be people there to listen to support yeah they're great they're oh, really... it's magical well so on that note then to be continued dare <laughs> I, I mean dare i ask oh what would you like to do next because you mentioned the word retirement but as in we're not really i can't imagine this oh. this being on your agenda to be honest with you clive no, I'm not. In fact, I'm trying not to use the retirement word. I'm calling it the next adventure. Like that. Or even the next chapter. I'm happy for you to chapter, have that. The next chapter, the next adventure, whatever <laughs> that brings. Uh, but the next chapter, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I've got a really blank page with that. Mm. I, I think um, Mandy, Scott, Mandy had a friend who's joined up to, um, uh, it's an extras agency. <laughs> And she said, "Why don't you do some extras work?" Uh, and I exactly thought that could be really do. good fun. Yes, that could be really good fun. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of uh, sat in the background, you know, walking past. I don't know. Uh, that that could fulfil something from my earlier life. And again, I think anything where I'm around people. Uh, that's what I found with lockdown. 
I really struggled during lockdown. Take me away from people and, and I'm, I'm flat. Mm. Put me amongst people and it's energising. And I, I think anywhere where I'm around people, I think would be really great. Um, yeah, blank canvas would be really good. Um, Amazing. And full yeah. circle, full yeah. circle. Exactly back. You'll be in Rada before we know it. Uh, <laughs> that would be no i don't know it's um i i like the idea of that extra we mandy and i watch films now and we're you know mandy's saying oh that could be you in the background yeah. walking past yeah you know? of course it could of course Great. it could or you could star in one of my husband's crime you know if there's ever a crime drama or something like that because i mean you'd, oh, you'd just, just you'd that would be, be awesome you'd be so good in it you'd know exactly what to do i could be a silent witness i could just lay she still could. on the <laughs> <laughs> you would be perfect but I love in in the notes as well that you said you know you're just excited about life and again because you see life you don't take it for granted I can imagine no I think it, I often use the word seal I think again you can tell when people have lost their seal for life and that says that you know we we know from people don't we that energize us you know that that are around us that encourage us empower us enthuse us and excite us and uh, and I think that's really good gifts to have and um not that we're all that way all the time because we have to be real but i think there is something about getting excited about what the next chapter can be yeah um because there's so much in the next chapter yeah. for everybody and you know yeah yeah you're speaking my language i totally uh, agree well we'll move on and just before we get to that part your acknowledgements now, Clive, oh, yeah. you've, you've thanked lots of lovely people, and I'm going to guess, I but I can guess who you're going to say thank you to first, and it could go back to that day in Taunton, but um, yeah. who, who are the people you'd like to thank who've helped you along the way? Oh, it's huge. Um, well, you, you've named it, so Mandy, I mean, you know, Mandy has been my rock and uh, my encouragement and uh, my soulmate and a great spiritual encourager. I mean, Mandy just has wisdom in abundance um you know just awesome um and uh, just an amazing mum for our kids uh, yeah our kids as well i mean our kids are really you know the joys and challenges as we all know as parents of bringing children out especially through teenage years yes, uh, yes. yeah life in all its fullness um it's great and uh, obviously god i mean god at the center of everything which has been a huge and I mentioned Terry, you know, Terry went home to be with the Lord a few years back, but Terry was a great influence in my life, you know, and I think there's people that are just there for you at different stages of life to encourage you. You know, you're not on the phone all the time or, or you know, on social, but they're there for you. Um, Tim, Tim Daniel and Dr. Russ, you know, just partnering with them fantastic. And uh, of course, going back to drama days, Alan Reese, great advice, you know, Otherwise, I could maybe I'd just be working in restaurants in London, you know, in between jobbing, acting jobs, you yeah. know, which or being might a have princess been good, still. Yeah, it would have been good, but who knows? Uh, different routes. Yeah, in um, yeah, uh, Team Christchurch, I mean, just everybody at Team Christchurch, they're they're an amazing group of people as a congregation, as a church family uh that's great and um i think bishop jim thompson as well you know he took a real i wouldn't say took a risk but he stepped out in faith yeah, <laughs> it could have gone horribly wrong for him had i not 
<laughs> he knew. But, uh, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're exactly where you were always meant to be, Clive. Which um, is a my family in Yeovil, which are still there in Yeovil, and uh, they they are got a big family in Yeovil. You know, bless them. They're just uh, my sister. You know, yeah, she's great. Good to have family. Oh, how wonderful. How wonderful. So finally then, so with your tips and advice and what people should do next, I mean, I'm going to ask you a couple of things here, Clive, if that's okay. Sure. First of all, in terms of religion and kind of going back to what we were just saying there, that say, for example, if somebody's listening to this and, and really is is struggling with the idea of God, you know, it still is, yeah. it's still, you know, but is equally feeling a little bit lost and I'm, yeah. I'm talking genuinely in life, not specifically in terms of work or anything like that, but just sure. feels a little bit like the life perhaps is missing joy and has had the life sort of feels a bit like the life's been sucked out of them. Um, yeah. You know, what would you say to that person, how they can kind of come back to themselves? I, I would, you know, from a from a from a Christian point of view, I would say grapple with the things that you want to grapple with. Ask the questions. I think so many people just don't ask the questions and they're afraid to because they're afraid that, you know, that somewhere they've they've missed some sort of magical answer. Um, but everybody's on their own journey. I think with Jesus, we're all on a different. I, I think it's like escalators at the um, at the when you're at an airport or whatever. Everybody's at a different place and people think we all need to be at the same place. We're not. You know, everybody's at a different place in their faith and their life. And, and I think it's good to engage with that and just just talk to somebody about that. You know, just just go, you know, grab somebody from who you trust from your local church or whatever. Just uh, go for a coffee, you know, join an alpha course, ask all the questions you've ever wanted to ask about that. And just like, start to grapple with that thing that they could, you know, people sometimes people say, I know there's something missing. There's a there's a hole somewhere. I know that something's missing, and I think for for lots of people, it's just grappling with what is that thing that's missing for me. And it might be faith. It might be whatever that's happened in life that you know you maybe have been told that you're useless or something. Those things that stick to you in life, like Velcro, that you need to lose that you know that you're not worthless that you are of value that you are precious that you are special that you're valued in the whatever setting you're at i think when people speak those things or i would say from from a faith point of view when god speaks into those points in your life and you know you you are restored you're renewed it's it's yeah some i, I met with a a I met with a guy a long time ago and uh, we just spent ages talking, you know, week after week about this thing that was missing. Um, I wouldn't say he was a Christian at all, but he just wanted some answers. Um, and I think it was after about six weeks, he said, um, this is great. So, you know, where, where do I send my invoice? <laughs> yeah. And I said, what, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, for all this time that we spend talking. And I said, well, it's just, 
what I do. You know, it's it's a real privilege to be with you. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm just going to cancel all the hundreds of pounds I've saved on my life coach. <laughs> yeah. So can I come and talk to you more often? Yeah. Um, but I think it is that thing where you can be real and gritty and honest, you know, and really grapple with the things. And I think the thing is coming to things without an agenda. I always say to people, I'm not here to carry you into the kingdom of God. You know, we, we walk in it and we all walk in at different places and different stages. So I think it's I think it's being there, being honest, being open, being true to faith, not backing away from what I believe in in any way, shape or form. But actually, um, in some ways, yeah, pointing the way if, you know. Giving directions, giving some signposts, I think sometimes. Mm, yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And well, and, and so then on that note, with you know, in terms of signposts, if people are listening to this, in terms of and it, I mean, my goodness, Clive, you see all you see everything, don't you? So you you must see people where the marriage breaks up, uh, where they, like you say, a bereavement because of a job. Oh, so we it's very hard and often I, I get with the next chapter yes I this is a lot to do with about doing what you love as a job but actually it's about creating your own life you know so if you are in that awful marriage or yeah I would like to do more episodes about divorce and things like that because yeah. there is often another way isn't there there, there often is another way and so Absolutely. if somebody is listening to this and let's just let's just stick with jobs at the moment work at the moment yeah. I mean you and you're in your 40s when you made your big change uh and you were like you said you were earning a good salary you went down to nine thousand pounds a year you sold your house now one of the big things that people always say they, the reason why they can't change direction or can't do what they love is financial so if yeah. someone is listening to that now and they're in the silly situation or say they're late 40s, early 50s, maybe older, and they're like, I can't afford to go back to college or I can't afford mm. to do this and this, what would you say to that person? I, I think it's the, for me personally, for me personally, all I can speak personally, it was the strength of call that I knew I could run. I couldn't run away from it. I, I knew I couldn't hide that I had to bottom this out, well, whatever this was going to be. And I knew... The longer I looked, I wasn't going to be at peace with with that. It was just going to keep coming back and coming back. And I would say to anybody, maybe if you feel that thing that's going to keep coming back, coming back, you know, explore it. You know, we, we often say, is, you know, um, you know, some I'm sure there's some very, very well off people out there who probably would say, gosh, I wish I'd done that in life. <laughs> And later in life, um, oh, I wish I'd done that, but I got caught up in the mortgage. I got caught up in the thing and stuff like that. Um, the, I think the new chapter is, I think when, when God says I'm doing a new thing, there is the possibility of doing a new thing. I mean, I believe that God is faithful. I mean, we, we, are, we are so blessed. We have our own house now. Um, we, we're, we're able to do that you know it, it, we have enough God has given us more than enough and it, in some ways um, I'm not chasing the next new thing listening to your podcast for the next chapters yeah so encouraging for those people who have found that next thing yeah you know and um, and I'm sure there's been the cost in that for so many people but they found a sense of peace and a sense of purpose in the new thing in the next chapter. Yeah. And uh, 
there, there is no better thing really. Um, and God is a God of new beginnings. I really believe that. And, you know, sort of for people who maybe think that, oh, you know, this is it, there is no future. God is the God of new beginnings. You know, there is new beginnings, new starts. God says, I'm doing a new thing. You know, don't you see it? Join in with it, you know, hope. Yeah. 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 And you know more than anyone that life is short. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think I think probably one of the saddest moments is um, my nephew was uh, age 17. He was he was the front seat passenger that was killed in a, a car in Yeovil mm. a few years back. Um, just an amazing guy, you know, and I think I think through that and being alongside and being part of the family, really, um, I think there is a sense of urgency. I think sometimes, you know, we put things off. We think, oh, you know, we'll, we'll leave it another year. We'll leave things another year. Um, nobody knows. Nobody knows how many years we have. And uh, I think it's important to, to, you know, for maybe people, you know, if as we've heard in the next chapter, you know, it's not defined by an age, is it? It's you. It's whenever that nudge is. I call it a God nudge. Whenever that nudge is, what's the new thing? explore it and look for it yeah mm. well reverend clive jennings you have spread so much joy you have been well above the this podcast station oh, i mean it's so kind it's an honor to have you thank you so much for being such a wonderful wonderful guest on the next chapter oh thank you so much for inviting me it's been a great conversation and uh yeah, I just pray for who all those that are listening to this truly that they be blessed in this well. So yeah. yeah, yeah, bless you, but thank you. Thank you for the invite. I am it's been great. So there you are. Well, what next? I mean, I don't know about you, but this conversation really helped me. I love that. Sometimes we just need more joy in our life. I also really enjoyed talking to him about loneliness and how sometimes the people who may be able to help aren't where you think they are. Now, to learn more about Clive and his incredible work, the link is in the show notes. Loneliness is a theme I address in my book, The Pink Coffee Shop, and I also look at it in The Secrets of the Coffee Club, hopefully in an uplifting way, which will give you at least a little bit of joy. Now, this episode is brought to you in partnership with Empire Fighting Chance, a boxing charity transforming lives who've helped thousands of young people. I'll be back next week, but remember, if ever you don't feel like you belong, you always belong here with me and Cookie My Labrador here at the next chapter. We really are in this together. We can do this whatever it is. I really hope to hear from you and thank you so much for listening. Speak soon.